Welcome to Fret Not with me, Rosie Bennett. Fret Not is the podcast that aims to demystify the learning process that we all go through in our lives, work and otherwise. I'll be talking to the heroes and champions of our field about the lessons that have most defined their careers and help us to figure out how we can learn from what they've already figured out. Nothing in life is a linear process, so let's get more at ease with the ups and the downs and realise that wherever we are in our journey, we really aren't alone. This podcast is brought to you by Augustine Strings, the originator of the original nylon string, my string of choice, and a company full of my favourite people in the guitar world. Check them out at augustinestrings.com. In today's episode, I talk to Portuguese guitarist Rebecca Oliveira. I first got to know Rebecca through her recordings of Carlos Seixas' music that she did with Open Strings Berlin, and she's actually just brought out a CD of his music that I can't recommend enough you go and listen to. Enjoy. What is a lesson you've learned that's been the most meaningful to you? I think the most meaningful uh, lesson I've learned is to do as much things as I can. As sometimes we are very picky with with the options that we get in life or I don't know, playing a concert or, or doing some, something with someone, you know, and I have the feeling that as a, a guitar student, sometimes you kind of are ashamed to embrace, embrace stuff out of your comfort zone. And my experience is this, that everything you do, it kind of brings something new at least mm -hmm. maybe it's not something you can use for your life or it's not that meaningful or so positive for you but it's experience and i really think that experience and is one of the most important things as a musician even if it's something i don't know playing for old people or you know something that doesn't require so much effort as a as a musician or as a student mm -hmm. it always brings something to you so yeah i think the most important lesson is actually just go out of your comfort zone and try to do stuff because i mean things only happen if you do stuff that's mm -hmm. that's the thing i i think it's very important like for us mm -hmm. yeah i think that's really valuable as a musician you think I'm a person who does this and this and this yeah. and it yeah. sometimes turns us away from doing other things I think it's just part of that arrogance a little bit that we have maybe in the classical music world that we really try to separate the things we do do and the things we don't do have you had any moments where you turn things down and then later you regretted it or have you just always felt like this no actually it's something I've been trying to do more lately Mm -hmm. um, as you said, I totally agree with you. I think there's a little bit of this bubble around the, I don't know if only the classical music world or in general, I don't know. It, I just think it's very difficult for us sometimes to step out of our comfort zone and do things that we are not used to do or we mm -hmm. don't actually know. Um, I don't know if there's something that I turned out and and it was actually a good opportunity i mean who knows <laughs> but i know there are some things that i was very skeptical about in the beginning and it, they actually turned great you know i don't know i can for example the 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 video i recorded with open strings berlin you also recorded with them mm -hmm. yeah when when i talked with them i had 
totally no expectations at all you know it was like yeah a beautiful video why not and I had so many good stuff coming from the video you know I had like this sponsorship with Augustine I had like many people that start knowing about the Carlos Seixas transcription and all my project and and it was very very helpful for me and totally a positive like thing in my career and yeah that's I mean one example I can think of of things that sometimes you think yeah that would, would actually bring so much you know th stuff into my life but they actually turned out being pretty great and and yeah, and, and they open like so many new doors and opportunities to you. That's, that's, that's amazing. Mm. You don't really know what's out there also when you start. And it's, I think there's not a lot of information about what you can really do as a musician. I mean, we kind of know what the lifestyle looks like, but then yeah. all of the little steps of it are kind of mysterious. We never really know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so those little opportunities it's funny that you mentioned the open strings Berlin thing because that also for me it was just going to be a nice hangout with some friends some people that I like make a video and indeed it really ended up being sort of the start of something are there other experiences other than open strings that have led you like somewhere unexpected that you didn't uh, didn't think you'd be well I think um all the Seisha's project and the transcriptions and stuff mm -hmm. kind of also exploded somehow. <laughs> like when I started doing the transcriptions, I never thought that it'd be such a huge thing. And I was actually gonna record the CD with the transcriptions and publish all of them. So that was actually kind of a good surprise, I can say. I mean, when I started, uh, to play sessions I did two transcriptions for me as a student because I wanted to play this music and it's amazing to see that after five years five six years like now it's I mean it's not a huge thing but it, it's already a thing in the guitar repertoire and I'm very proud and happy about it so I think that's some other yeah another thing that that I wasn't expecting at all when I started this that it will be such a huge thing mm -hmm. and maybe if I was afraid of it and I I didn't I don't know sometimes we are so afraid of starting stuff because you never know what will happen and yeah I mean if I haven't started with this if I haven't started with publishing a couple of videos playing sessions or whatever maybe I will never like be where I am and how did you come to that? How did you find this music? What was the first impetus to making the transcriptions? Uh, it was just because I was lazy. <laughs> so it's, it's not a poetical story at all. Like I was um, studying my bachelor in Spain at that time. I think it was around my second or third year or something like that. And I was doing quite a lot of competitions, guitar competitions, and I had one competition in Portugal where you had to play a, a piece by a Portuguese composer. And two weeks after, I had a competition in Spain where I had to pl play a Baroque piece. So I was like, oh, what if you find some Portuguese Baroque composer so you just have to practice one piece? <laughs> so that was actually how I found Seixas. So not a love story, but yeah, it was very practical moment and it turned out great. 
Yeah, I mean, I already knew the music of Seixas um, because we actually talk a little bit of Portuguese uh, music history and stuff, and he's a, a great figure for us in Portugal. Mm. Um, and then I, I actually sat down and started listening to the sonatas, and whoa, I was totally amazed by that because, I mean, the music is great. For me, it sounds a little bit like a sad Scarlatti. <laughs> so it has this kind of nostalgic Portuguese people, uh, Portuguese feeling. And, and yeah, that's how actually I came up with Seixas. I thought that, I mean, if Scarlatti works on the guitar, why would this like also work? You know, it's same style, same Baroque music. I mean, mm. and you know, then I started of course, transcribing and trying a lot. There's a lot of transcribing, seeing that it doesn't work, trying again, etc. But yeah, at, at the end, it was how it, it started. Mm -hmm. And did you find it difficult? Were there moments where you thought that maybe you wouldn't go down this path of transcribing all of these sonatas? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. I, I ask that every day of my life for a couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> I mean, um, I think the, the transcription itself, it's not that difficult. I mean, it's Baroque music written for harpsichord. Now things are way more difficult to transcribe. If you transcribe something, I don't know, some Albanese or stuff like that, or even some piece for orchestra or whatever, it's way more difficult, of course. It's just something that it's very, very, very like time cons consuming and, and you need so much time and, and patience. You know, you have to repeat the process for so long. You have first to listen to Sonata, try to transcribe it. Sometimes you transcribe in one tonality and it doesn't work and you have to change all of that. Then there's all the process of fingering, of actually practicing the Sonata and then you change all the fingerings because you find something better. Mm -hmm. uh, you know all the interpretation part it's it's a lot of time it's a lot of time and if you think about it like money wise it's actually not worth it you mm -hmm. know the, the amount of hours that you put there is so much effort that you will never get paid for it I mean yeah you know what I mean <laughs> it's like of course I, I don't do it for the money of course it's like yeah it's my way of giving something to the guitar world I think but but yeah of course I thought a lot about it because I mean it's lot of lots of work it's not something that you just record the video and you put on some social media and you are like a star and you go viral because it's unknown music mm -hmm. so it's actually very difficult to to start with this and and yeah there were some rough days but yeah, at the end I kept trying and I'm I'm really really happy with with what I achieved until now. When did you start thinking like other people could benefit from this? I started with two transcriptions, a 23 and uh, 24. Um and I started noticing that the people really liked this music, that I was mm. getting a very positive feedback, like from teachers, from guitarists. I don't know, like I was playing it a lot in concerts and competitions, whatever. I, every time I had the opportunity, I was uh, starting my concert with these two sonatas. And yeah, I start noticing that people really like this and people were really interested in some kind of 
new music for guitar, although it's not new at all. Mm -hmm. But but you know, something like like Scarlatti and this kind of thing that we love so much to play on the guitar, but it was actually different and that like people don't play it like a thousand times in a competition. Um, so yeah, I started then getting some, receiving some messages and emails from, from people all over social media. I think the turning point was actually the videos were open strings Berlin. There was like the first cool and nice video I did with Seisha's music. And, and after that, I started getting lots of, of requests and messages, like people asking where they could buy the scores and, and things like that. Um, I didn't have any plan uh, of publishing the scores, actually. I, I had it like, yeah, a beautiful finale edition that I did for myself, you know, but something mm -hmm. very, yeah, not professional at all. And then was, then that, that was when I started actually to, to consider like publishing scores. And I, I talked with some publishers, I, I spoke with Los Producciones Dos, and they were very, uh, interested in the project and I ended up publishing with them because they are like a very big publisher as mm -hmm. for guitar music and stuff so yeah I just wanted a way of protecting myself and letting like everybody play you know that it was like free not free but available for everybody uh, yeah I wonder did it help you i don't know if you found this difficult i think i would find this um did it make you feel more like you had something to offer as a guitarist yeah for sure <laughs> i mean i struggle a lot with the mental part of all of this you know mm -hmm. i mean it's something we're all very scared to talk about because we are like this uh, badasses. Can I say badasses? Yeah. But badasses <laughs> that just go on stage and you look like very tough, you know, and you play and it's like, well, bravo, you're so virtuoso and cool. At least for me, it's not like that all, all the time, you know, there's lots of struggling of like, what are you actually doing with, with your life and with your career? And like, there's so many great guitar players in the world. It's like, I mean, I love them all, but I sometimes get depressed because it's like, what, what can I do? You know, there, there's so many people like playing so great and doing so much stuff that it's, it's kind of difficult sometimes to find your, your place on the guitar world, I think. And, and yeah, I think Seishas gave me that. I mean, of course, it's not like a huge thing. It's not like I'm suddenly David Russell or whatever, you know, but, but it's something that at least it's, I mean, it's not mine, but but kind of defines me, I think. And and yeah, it helped me a lot with that because it it, it gave me a purpose actually, um, in life actually, yeah. Um, and it was actually when I I finished my studies, I finished my master three years ago, so I was having this mental thing that's like okay you're no longer a student what will you do with your life now <laughs> it's like yeah. I had like this moment of panicking you know because it's like okay I don't have to practice for exams or whatever like what why what what now you know it's it's very scary yeah. so yeah I mean the Seychelles pro uh, project gave me that 
And actually the feeling I got when I finished the recording, like in October, I finished the recording the CD was like, oh my God, what now? Like <laughs> my life is over, you know, it's like, <laughs> I finished this, <laughs> what will I do now? So, yeah. And how do you start now finding the answers for that? No, that's Big difficult. Question. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the CD was released like a month ago, so it's still very fresh, it's still like news. And yeah, I think I will try to um, get the most out of this. Um, of course, I want to sell CDs and to keep playing Seychelles music and sharing uh, Seychelles with the world. But I actually don't know what will come next. Um, I'm, I'm very proud of, of the CD. That's, that's something new for me because I'm most of the time never proud of what I do. So yeah, I think it's hard when you're in the when you're in the thick of it, right? We're so trained mm. to be looking forwards. We never really manage yeah. to enjoy what we're in. I was just thinking about that this morning because, um, yeah, I just I was posting a quote on my Instagram about being a beginner, letting yourself be a beginner at something. And I was thinking about how basically for the whole of our music education, we're always looking forward to what is coming. So and not just in the next weeks. I mean, maybe it's like towards your next guitar lesson, um, but also in the greater context, like where will this lead me in the rest of my life? There's so much um, pressure on that, like this concert could be the one where somebody from here comes to it and then it shoots you into something else. And mm. um, there's so much pressure on every little moment to be part of a puzzle that makes up something bigger. Um, and it can be really hard to just enjoy what is yeah. happening now yeah, and it's that's, very I difficult guess, to enjoy yeah i guess that's what you're in now like it's so great that you can feel proud of it and you should really enjoy that and celebrate it even though it's hard with corona because you can't do anything to celebrate anything yeah. but, um, um, i can enjoy it and be proud at home I mean, yeah exactly <laughs> and we can be proud of you here in the podcast and that yeah. will be a little celebration for you because i think it's i mean it's no it's no mean feat it's a big thing to you know, start with one transcription and end up where you are now. I mean, it's just, it's mm. monumental as a project and over little steps of making small waves in there, you've really made a project. I mean, that's how I know you as well. Um, yeah. It's amazing, I think, what you've done. So congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> what is a lesson that you would like to impart? Now I will talk actually for the guitar students and people that are trying to, starting this journey it's very important to be open to everything and, and don't be afraid of new ideas of, I don't know, new perspectives or whatever. It's very important. I think one of the most important things as a musician is actually to have lots of information and lots of opinions of input. I mean, that's fundamental, I think. I did lots of master classes while being a student and Lots of people were, I mean, not against it, but didn't really get it, you know, because I mean, it's a masterclass. You go there for an hour or less. You have like most of the time some pretty bad comments or whatever. You get lots of information in and time and then you go home and you just look at, at I don't know, at the wall and it's like, okay, what, what do I do now, you know? Sometimes you get so much like totally different 
opinions from what your guitar teacher is telling you or whatever. And it might be overwhelming, but I think that in the long run, it really helps. I mean, I, I teach uh, full-time here in Germany and, and it's so important that I did like this master classes and that, that I had like so much contact with other guitarists and other musicians and people from all over the world, you know, that's, I think that's very, very important. So we are so lucky to have internet and social media and YouTube and Spotify, I don't know, you know, there's so many things available. There's so much information right now that, I mean, just use that. Like it can be very helpful and very useful. And I think we really need to expand our knowledge and to accept all opinions and all different points of view. And yeah, I think that's the only way we will actually achieve something and find ourselves, you know, I mean, of course, there's lots of things I've listened to and I've heard that I really don't use or I don't, it's, it's not like something I will do as a musician, but I mean, it's the way you know which way you, which, yeah, which direction you want to take actually, so yeah. Rebecca, what is a lesson that you are currently working on? I think it's actually trying to um, accept myself as a musician, trying to be proud of what I do and trying to know how to deal with anxiety and stress and all of that stuff. I think it's something we really don't talk about and and I think it's a huge problem, at least for, for more musicians, I guess. I don't know. I feel like totally overwhelmed most of the time as I have to play. Like it's very difficult to control anxiety. It's very difficult to don't make like a big deal, like it's life or death, you know, from, for a concert and, and learn how to deal with with opinions and people criticize, criticizing you sometimes. Um, and I think that's the lesson I'm trying to learn right now. It, it's very difficult and I actually think it, it, it gets worse with the years. <laughs> I, don't know. I think I'm way more anxious and yeah, and I care way more about this than when I was a student. So yeah, that's something I've been struggling with. It's so much effort sometimes to, to play a concert, you know, to go out there and, and play for people. And after this two years where we mostly didn't play at all, it's, it's very difficult to start again to feel comfortable on the stage. And yeah, that's something I'm trying to change. I mean, I'm trying to actually have fun while playing and performing that's something most people say oh have fun I was like what are you crazy like how can you you know <laughs> at least with me it was always like that I'm always so anxious and so preoccupied about the little details and and I mean it's great that you can criticize yourself it's the only way you will like do some progress and get better but you also have to find the balance and and be able to enjoy what you're doing and be proud of yourself. And I think that's something we kind of forget sometimes when we are students, we are always getting so much criticism and do this and do that, you know, and that's normal. It's part of the process, but we kind of forget the other part. Mm. And I think the mental part, the learning how to 
to deal with all of this and also being time efficient with all of this because it's very different when you work and when you have to buy food and clean your house and you know send hundreds of emails and practice and record or whatever it's all very overwhelming and yeah that's what I'm trying to learn now that's the lesson uh, I'm trying to to learn right now this is probably a lesson I'm working on at the moment as well and it, it is really hard because indeed I've not been on stage for two years basically um, mm. and those first concerts coming back feel really different because we're two years on things have completely changed but somehow things just are picking up exactly where they left off from February 2020 so it makes it really odd but I think it's if it is going to be like a sustainable career or a lifestyle at some point it's true we have to find this zen in it yeah for um, sure that's something i've been struggling a lot because it's like it's so much energy and suffering yeah <laughs> you know for a single concert like how how can you do this like yeah. on the long run you know and it's something that makes me kind of sad that we are somehow not prepared for this I mean, we we had, at least I can talk for myself, I had so much good experience with masterclasses, concerts, competitions, teachers. I mean, I really can't complain about that. And you are so well prepared according to some technique stuff and interpretation. You are very informed about all the stuff. And then you never actually taught on how to deal with this, like how to manage anxiety, how to to play a concert without suffering, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, mm -hmm. I know, I think for some people it's maybe natural, mm. maybe some people are lucky enough, some very few, I don't know, but I think the mo most of us just like lie, you know, <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm so excited and we're dying inside. I mean, yeah. sometimes it's a mix of both of them, you are excited, but you are dying inside, so yeah, it, it's, it's very difficult to deal with, I think, it's, yeah and yeah. it's many things right because it's easy to think of it as one i don't know we have one idea of what it is that we're doing on stage there's this kind of fake virtuous thing where it's like i want to share what i've been working on mm. um and in some way we want to be recognized which is really tricky because the more you want to do well the more desperate you feel and for me at least desperation is basically the opposite of having a good time <laughs> um yeah yeah and that's kind of also how i felt a lot on stage and it definitely gives me that feeling of of anxiety and then afterwards the reward is really great right like you say you have good experiences so yeah you're super nervous and then you walk on stage i don't know if you have this i often feel really desensitized on stage so it's almost like i'm not aware of my yeah surroundings yeah, but not in yeah. a good way mm -hmm. not some people say no, it, you know no, like no. oh yeah the audience <laughs> just disappears no for me yep. it's not that it's just They're i kind of <laughs> exactly and i don't really know <laughs> if i'm alive or not that's the feeling it's it's yeah. a different experience and it probably means that there's something kind of beautiful there you know there's that I do often have that feeling that I'm more focused on stage than I ever am in my whole life. That's not always a good thing. It's <laughs> it comes with its own um, mm. its own package of of bad things as well. But yeah, it's really hard to know where to start, and I think so many people feel this way, but just don't talk about it because otherwise you kind of think like, who's going to hire me if they know that I'm? Yeah, of course. And I mean, maybe 
even if you want to talk with some other people about this, sometimes it isn't that easy. I mean, of course, if you have some friend that's also a musician and a guitarist and whatever, they can understand this a little bit better. But it isn't that easy sometimes to, to describe this feeling. You know, it's a very particular way of feeling and stress we are dealing here with. So mm. it can be tricky sometimes. And yeah, I hope I can achieve some kind of Zen feeling at least a little bit while performing. And also not, I mean, not only the performing part, but the, all the preparation part. Like <sighs> there are times that I'm anxious, like, the whole day you know and it's, it's so exhausting like sometimes I don't even know why I'm anxious about I'm just like anxious it's like why <laughs> you know it's yeah it's some yeah difficult deep thing mm. but well we will get there and how does it manifest itself for you is it like a physical thing or it's in your mind that you sort of spiral or it's mostly in my mind actually I mean, I, ha I have some, when it's very extreme and bad, some physical things like lack of, yeah, like heart palpitation, this kind of stuff. Uh, it's like someone crushing like your chest all the time, you know? Mm. But, but I think it's mostly like a mind thing. It's like a thing that you, you can really relax and sleep at night, you know, because, you know, oh my God, like I have a concert in like 25 days, four hours and three seconds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like this kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, like... And you just go through all these things that might go wrong instead of yeah. thinking of things that might go well. Um, so yeah, I think it's a little bit of that. What I feel, it's like I get very exhausted, yeah. mentally speaking, you know, because you are always worried about this because you have your daily life, like working and whatever, but you always have this on your head and it's, it's very exhausting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where do you think it comes from for you? When you think of what the root of what it is that you're worried about, because, I, well, I will say like for me, one of the big things that I, that used to make me really anxious in performance was memory because I had had a lot of experiences of forgetting and, yeah. um, and things that it didn't even seem normal to forget. You know, like I would, I would be on stage and I would kind of forget how the second half started. And then I'd have no idea of even yeah. where to begin. Like my mental state was so completely different. Um, and so memory started to be one of those things that really made me nervous. And it actually made my concert experience decrease a lot. And for the audience as well, because I would only care if I remembered it. So for me, the yeah, yeah. measurement of it would be, of a good concert would be, have I remembered the piece all the way to the end? Which is, considering the amount of thousands of hours that you spend <laughs> practicing something, the standard of, will I get to the end of this, is really tragic. But I realized that for me, with my performance anxiety, that's all it's about. I actually don't really care about looking like a fool. Um, all of the irrational things of, or, or even rational things like the mistakes that I could make, those were not important to me at all. It was all about memory. I just, I realized that a lot of that's probably from my early education, that there was a big, um, in a way, I guess, maybe small little things that made a kind of, almost like a trauma around it. So something mm -hmm. that my brain couldn't really keep up with. The idea of not knowing where you were in the score or having to get things off of the score very quickly. 
um, and not having really, at least for me, not having sufficient um, ear training skills or theory skills to be able to understand what I was playing. So mm -hmm. for me, it kind of felt like trying to memorize a thousand numbers in a row. And then if I'd get lost, yeah. it was just like, oh, I just don't know where I am. And there's no, there's no like thesis. I can't say, oh, I went to the shops on Wednesday and I bought bread. And then I'm like, oh, what did I go to the shops and buy? It was bread, right? There was just no meaning for me at all. In, and mm -hmm. I still have that. Um, but uh, my question was, <laughs> is there a route for you? Because for me, that's the root of my performance anxiety. I think that's actually also mine in a way. I also struggle a lot with memory stuff, like memory gaps. And it was a huge thing. Like, I remember I, I had friends that like, they never ever forgot something on stage. And it was like, so annoyed with them. Like, yeah. why? Like, you know, like, is my brain smaller or what? <laughs> you practice so much hours and then, but it's the feeling of when you are playing, you think, okay, I'm forgetting this part, I'm forget, and then it's gone. So yeah, totally. That that was for sure one of uh, one of the main things. Um, I actually solved that one. I didn't solve it. I camouflaged it somehow. And I the last concerts I did, I played with scores, which is something um, I'm not sure if I feel embarrassed about or not. <laughs> It feels like you fail a little bit as a musician, you know, but I just didn't want to risk it after two years of not playing in public and, and having like this extra bad feeling, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it helps a little bit. I mean, for sure, it helps a little bit. Then I, I started realizing that I have other ways of sharing anxieties, like shaking hands. Like my, my hands are pretty shaky. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's worse, actually, if it's like memory gaps or like really physical problems you know mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i think the the other big problem and and part of of this is like i don't know how to say this in a nice way uh, i think it's actually my years as a student you know you get like sometimes so much criticism all the time I mean, as a student, and again, that's normal. It's normal that like you play and you end up playing and you say, yeah, good, but whatever your legato is not great. Or yeah, good, but like this part, you rush a little bit and you have to improve this, that, 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 and that. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something I didn't, yeah, I couldn't like actually digest so well in a way. Um, I was always so concentrated on the bad stuff mm. that couldn't even like find a good part of what I was playing, you know. And I mean, I don't think I can complain about like my development as, as a guitarist, you know. I always had like very good teachers and, and I really noticed that, that I developed a lot during my studying years. But this mental part, the part where you say that you are good and that you are enough and that you are doing better, it was kind of forgotten for, for a very long time. And, and yeah, I think that's still the trauma I have somehow. I also started playing guitar very late. I started with 15 years old. So I actually did like three years of conservatory and I had to study a lot. And 
in three years so I'll be able to to go to university mm -hmm. so it was always this like rushing all gotcha. the time you know yeah it's like you have to be good and be better and you have to achieve that that and that and you kind of forget about yourself and you kind of forget of enjoying and you have this feeling that you are always late you are always too old and <laughs> you are never you know enough and yeah I think that's probably the main thing I mean I was very lucky when I started my master here in Germany with my teacher with Thomas Müller-Tering he was very very supportive he was like telling me all the time like how great you are and like you're such a great musician and and it helped me a lot it helped me a lot but I still feel that like deep inside me there's always like this little bug you know like yeah eating your your self-esteem and, and mm. yeah and like sending some poison <laughs> yeah I yeah. think it really is that because you say that like you attribute it to starting later but I would say probably it's there for everybody that feeling of catching up catching up I always I've always felt it even since I first started and I started when yeah. I was like seven years old and I still felt like oh but if I just started a little earlier and I yeah. never I never got through that and as soon as you I think probably as soon as somebody tells you you're good at something or you get the idea that you want to do it properly you kind of shy away from the things you're not good at and you try and exploit the things that you are good at but obviously when you just have one teacher they're the person who dictates what you're good at so when i was at school i was always sort of told that like oh your technique's really not not good but you're very musical but that didn't really mean anything to me but i was like okay well that's what i have to work on i'm really musical and then as soon as i met somebody who didn't like what I did musically I just thought like oh my god I don't I don't have anything yeah and then I realized that instead which is you know it's also why I find teaching young students really difficult is um because obviously you want somebody to improve right so you need to point out the things that they need to work on but how do you give a kid that feeling that they have the time you know like you have the years I can't even imagine I sit now, now that I'm 25, and think back to even if 10 years ago, I had felt like it's okay that I'm not really good at this one thing, I can improve this one thing. Um, instead of thinking, oh God, I'm really not good at that, I have to hide it. Um, you know, what different kind of position I would be in by this point. And yeah. I think everybody has that feeling of catching up or having to hide something, it's almost that. And I think that probably we do bring that anxiety onto the stage and into our practice as well it's like you are constant like on i mean on the spotlight not constant you are not like madonna or whatever you know or britney but <laughs> you know what i mean i mean our job is like to be on the stage in theory and and you can even like handle that you can even like yeah. you know like enjoy that so it kind of make you makes you think like Am I the problem? What is happening? You know, because it can't be so much suffering. I mean, it shouldn't be at least. Well, thank you for sharing your um, well, your experience with it. I think it takes a lot to say this stuff out loud, actually. And I hope that it will get better for you and for me and for everybody yeah, who's um, so. you know part of this. I think the more we talk about it, the better it will be because the more resources and more information that people can offer uh, that have been through something like this or that have 
experience the same thing. The mental struggle that we go through in classical music is uh, stigmatized, but also normalized. We find it weird, but we find it normal. And then we yeah. never do anything about it and we don't talk about it. It's important to see that there are other people that struggle with the same thing as we do. Yeah. You know, because there's such a huge taboo around this stuff. I mean, you won't find anyone on social media or whatever saying, oh, I'm so scared because I have a concert and whatever. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even your friends try to hide this from you, you know, because it's not cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's it's good to know that this is a thing. I mean, I think it's a thing for most of us and, and even for professionals, like very, like, you know, top people to maybe play like on a regular basis and are professors or whatever. I think they somehow also struggle a little bit. Maybe not all of them. Uh, there are people that are totally machines in this sense, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I really think that you always feel like butterflies in your stomach or, mm -hmm. you know, or anxiety or something, at least someday, somehow in your life. I remember something my teacher did, Margarita, Margarita Scarpa. Mm -hmm. We had like this kind of subject that was about like body control techniques and this kind of stuff. And we had some exercises that was like performing for each other, like a group of students, four or five students. And we, at the end, we had to say something about the performance, but we could only say good stuff. Mm -hmm. You have no idea how difficult it was. <laughs> I know it sounds mean, but it's like, your head, it's like so, you know, you're so programmed for like just crush everybody else. You always see like the bad stuff, like immediately. And sometimes it's very difficult to find like the good stuff. And it happens for you, like for ourselves when you perform. Mm -hmm. And and I was, I remember that I was totally in shock, like thinking, wow, this is difficult, you know? Because in my head, I had like seven, eight things that, were wrong mm -hmm. somehow or I didn't like against like one or two things that were like oh that was actually nice yeah and and I talk for myself that's actually the way I've been listening to guitar music and to concerts for a very long time and it's it, it's very like sad to know that like you always listen to yourself and to other people which is like criticism and it's like you know bad energy <laughs> it's like yeah, it's kind of strange to explain, but I think we should for sure be better prepared for this. And, and our teachers also, mm -hmm. because lots of teachers don't even like give compliments to the students. And I mean, it's a huge thing, like playing an instrument and like getting to the level where we are and, and spending so much hours and like not going out with your friends and then spending time with your family because you have to practice. I mean, we all live that. It's a huge thing. And yeah, we should feel happy about it and proud in a way. Altamira is the leading brand of handcrafted traditional guitars, specializing in classical nylon string, historical replica, and gypsy jazz guitars. Altamira is a trusted brand recommended by the world's leading teachers and artists. They make instruments for all player levels, from beginners starting the guitar up to luthier instruments for the world's finest artists to play on the concert stage. Altamira fosters music education 
and performance through its foundation that hosts and sponsors international symposiums and competitions in Asia, Europe, North America and Australia. I've recently been lucky enough to be sent an N3 model guitar from Altamira and it is one of the cleanest, easiest to play instruments that I've ever had the chance to have in my collection. They're beautiful instruments, handcrafted with love, and you can tell. These instruments are wonderful. They have models right down from the beginning level, right up until concert instruments that you will be proud to put your hands in. You can check them out at altamiraguitars.com. And again, I'll put that link in the description box so that you can check it out at your own pace. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week for the next episode of Frenna.